This is GeekGab on the books. I'm Brian Niemeyer, brianniemeyer.com. And with me tonight is a very special guest, author and 2017 Dragon Award finalist, Daniel Humphreys. Daniel, thanks for joining us tonight. Hey, thanks for having me, Brian. Nice to finally talk to you. You're welcome. Right back at you, man. So, we're both Dragon Award nominees. It's kind of surreal, <laughs> isn't it? It, yeah, it's 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 crazy because uh, this time last year, uh, I was still working on my first book and I hadn't even published it yet. And here, twelve months later, <laughs> it's uh, it got nominated. It's uh, definitely a, a whirlwind uh, roller coaster over the last last uh, year or so. I was not aware of that. You've only been a published author for a year or so. Yeah, my. Yeah, I actually, my, I'm coming up on my one-year anniversary. Uh, my first, the, my first book, uh, A Place Outside the Wild, which was what uh, was nominated, uh, came out on September 13th of last year. Well, congrats, man. Yeah, I appreciate it. <laughs> well, no, it's an achievement. Okay, just just to get a book out there, because I, I had a little infographic that I made a while back and had on my blog, and I'm not going to do over in the disservice of having five minutes of dead air while I root for my hard drive looking for it. I'm not even sure which one it's on. But just to shoot from the hip from memory, something like 80 million Americans respond to surveys saying that, yeah, they, they think they got a book in them. They want to write a book. Okay, so that's like the population of Brazil yeah. that you're up against. But then only about half of those We'll ever sit down and try to actually turn out a novel. Okay, so right there, you know, you're in the top 40 million Americans. Of those, only something like a million will ever actually finish a book, you know, get it to the point where it is fit for publication. Mm -hmm. Right, so now we're getting pretty rarefied here. <laughs> and that's also yeah. 1% of Americans. That's like a, a third of a percent. Okay, and of those, again, only about half of them will ever actually even try to get it published. The other half just, you know, put it in the shoebox in the closet and scratch it off their bucket list. And then of those, at least under the old Tradpub paradigm, I mean, now with indie like, like you and I, you know, you want to get published, uh, anyone can, there's no barrier to entry. But yeah, I can only about half of those would ever have gotten published. So... Again, you're you're way ahead of the curve. Yeah, it it doesn't feel like it, but I mean, it, it's it's one of those things. I guess you kind of have to have an outside perspective at times, you know, to 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 realize that uh, it's kind of. I, I don't know. I, I I struggle to say. I guess I really shouldn't say it was my first book. I I wrote uh, two or three in my early twenties that uh, are hidden under my desk and are never coming out for air. <laughs> <laughs> so, uh, it's always been something I've been working at, I guess you'd say. So it's just kind of cool to get the validation, I guess. All right. And for the folks at home who might be new to your work, what is your preferred genre? Honest, what's, it's kind of a funny story. I, uh, I am a, I'm really big into urban fantasy. That's kind of where I wanted to go. Um, but when I sat and you know, I finally you know, committed myself, I was going to sit down, I was going to get a, 
get it going. I have, you know, my, my notebook full of ideas and plot lines and everything. And this, this zombie story would just not get out of my head. And so I, I said to myself, fine, we're going to, we're going to get rid of this. We're going to pump it out, clear the battle space so I can focus on what I really want to write. Did the, got the first one out and I'm thinking, okay, I'm done. No sequel, nothing. And I'm <laughs> almost done with the sequel now. So the the best laid plans. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Sometimes your muse just takes a hold and is like, no, buddy. No, I don't care what he had scheduled for today. We're doing this. Yeah, absolutely. So right now, I mean, my, my plan is, is once this is done, to, to kind of dive back into my urban fantasy series for – uh, at least two books, if not more, but who knows? I mean, uh, <laughs> I, I have the, I have an idea for the third book in, in uh, the Z day series, but uh, it's still pretty early. So I'm hoping that it doesn't uh, develop too much and, you know, start beating on the cage to be let out, so to speak. So. <laughs> <laughs> I know that Dan is, uh, is being a bit coy here, a bit self-deprecating, but uh, friend of the show, Alfred Jennison, the Injustice Gamer, has called a place outside the wild nothing short of a masterpiece. Felt it was fully deserving of the Dragon Award. Now, you're up against Cory Doctorow, right? Yeah, yeah. It was a tough. It was a tough category. Uh, yeah. There was there was some good competition in there. Uh, it, was, it was kind of funny too. Um, I was on a uh, zombie panel at Liberty Con, and you know, at the time, I was just you know kind of in awe. You know, I'm like, wow. You know, here's Mark Wandry and you know Sarah Hoyt sitting next to me and I'm just kind of like you know holy crap you know and and, and it's real funny because uh, uh, you know Mark Wandry had a nomination the first for the first Dragon Awards and I think he had one this year too uh, and then I got mine and then John Holmes got one he was on the same panel so pretty much everybody on that panel has been nominated <laughs> at least once except for the Hoyt so it's kind of strange looking back on it now so. Uh, I guess I uh, I belonged there more than I thought I did at the time. Yeah, isn't isn't it interesting how many relatively new faces have been nominated the first two years of the Dragons, especially compared to the Hugos? And also, you and I share the honor of being defeated by guys named Corey. <laughs> That's there true. Were two yeah. Corys. Yeah, hey, yeah. These are the Dragon Awards. Had uh, among the winners there were two Corys. I feel like it's the '80s again. I'm watching the Lost Boys or something. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Uh, I don't know which one to be Haim, which one to be Feldman, but uh, <laughs> that's how it worked out. So, uh, yeah. I'm going to say the doctor was Feldman. That's my gut. Yeah. <laughs> I can see that. Yeah, Mark Wandry was nominated this year for Cartwright's Cavaliers. That's what I was thinking. I thought it was, I thought it was Mill, uh, Mill Sci-Fi. So. Uh, yeah, I don't know. <sighs> It, it was interesting how it shook out. I mean, it it definitely uh, had a lot more uh, participation this, this time around, which is good. I mean, it's you know it's growing. Um, I don't, it was kind of rough on some of the indies, but uh, it looks. Uh, but it was a good distribution, I thought. Um, it had a lot of different, uh, a lot of different winners, you know. And honestly, the one thing that hit me about it. Um, you look at the Hugos and I mean, you usually say there's a couple books in each category. You say, okay, that's pretty good. I mean, other stuff I'm, you know, you'd be like, I've never heard of that, but 
pretty much everything that got nominated. I'm looking at it going, okay, okay. I mean, you know, there's some here and there, uh, particularly in horror. I'm not a big horror guy, uh, but yeah, I mean, oh, yeah, forgive me. I, I, well, I like it's I like it, but uh, I definitely find myself attracted more to the to urban fantasy just because there's more of a uh, there's more there seems there's more hope and uh, being able to fight against the stuff you know it's not so much the H.P. Lovecraft style where you you meet the monster and that's it you're done uh, I definitely like being able to beat the monsters and when, especially when I write so yeah that's an important definition in the the difference between horror and fantasy is is it normally like in, in horror the the opposition is not invincible if, if even com if even comprehensible yeah right it's it's almost a force of nature personified or something you know horror doesn't often have a happy ending in, entirely like the, the characters like they they get their scars especially with Lovecraft and usually the mental variety. Mm -hmm. um, but you, you bring up a good point. I just wanted to recap for the folks at home the voting stats of this year's Dragon Awards, and also I'm going to compare them to this year's Hugos. So this will be fun. Now I'm going to start with the Hugos first. So there were 2,464 nominating ballots cast this year, which is down uh, around about 40% from last year, there were 3,319 final ballots, which oddly enough is up a bit from last year. I think that has to do with their odd staggered voting rights scheme where if you, you buy a membership this year, then you can nominate and vote this year and then nominate next year. But you have to buy a new membership in order to vote again. It's kind of weird. Mm -hmm. And now, getting to the Dragons, first of all, they announced there were 144,000 total votes cast. Now, keep in mind, that's not ballots. That's just votes. So that's across all the ballots because not every ballot was complete. Right. Yeah. There were, like, I know I left a couple of categories blank. But, so that's spread out. That's 144,000 votes spread out over 9,600 nominating ballots. So again, that's 9,600 nominating ballots for the Dragons compared to like just shy of 2,500 for the Hugos and then 8,000 final ballots in the Dragons. That's an 83% voter retention rate between the first and second rounds. So right. yeah, and that's a 100% increase in nominating ballots over last year. So they're already bigger than the Hugos. They were already bigger than the Hugos last year, already about twice as big, and now they've doubled. Yeah. Well, I, I mean, it's. I think that's natural, only natural. I mean, uh, the Hugos have, you know, I mean, uh, for better, uh, you know, for lack of a better term, they have a poll tax, <laughs> you know? So, yeah. I mean, you're automatically limiting, uh, you know, who votes to somebody that's willing to pony up the money, I mean. Uh, you know, a couple and a couple of years ago, when they you know had a really well stocked uh, voter packet, uh, it was definitely something worth consideration. But that was one thing I noticed this year was that uh, the voter packet was extremely light. I yeah. was just like, forget it; it's not worth it. And uh, we've got a we got a question in the comments about uh, that point you brought up. Uh, Vindicated Cynic asks, "How do you account 
for the fact that the Hugo participation has a cost, but the dragons are free. Can you put that in context? Well, yeah, the context is that the, the Hugos, like you said, have a pull tax. They have a barrier to entry. The dragons do not. And that is the context. The, the dragons are open to anyone with an internet connection. Right. Well, and, and in a sense, yeah. that they, I mean, that may, uh, the dra dragons to me seems like the convention itself is kind of subsidizing the award, you know, the infrastructure of the voting and the awards and all that stuff. You know, whereas with Worldcon, it's it's so small and uh, I don't know, you know, I guess the memberships is, you know, that's, you know, subsidizing, you know, their admission costs, I, I would I would guess. Um, I don't know how many people go to the Hugos. It's what, a couple thousand? If that, uh, I mean, yeah. they're automatically, they, they've got a much, you know, smaller budget to work with. So you got to do something. Absolutely. Yeah, I, I think that's a good take. So, I mean, there it is. That's the, that's, that's the difference and between the, the two awards and, yeah, the Dragons doubled in participation. Hugo nominating ballots at least declined by 40%, so almost negative reflections of each other. And considering that um, if... See, there was one of my readers, uh, Man of the Atom, who graphed the 10-year in, the increase in Hugo participation and cross-referenced it with uh, Sad and Rabid Puppies participation years. And yeah, it really does look like that bump was mostly due to the uh, various puppy groups' participation. And now that they've largely walked away from the Hugos. Uh, I know Larry Korea in particular expects Hugo participation to continue to drop off. Yeah. Yeah. And I mean, also if, if you look at the winners of the, the dragon Award this year, yeah, I mean, it really seems to have hit, hit, hit its stride. You really can't argue that anything unpopular won. If there are any real oddball choices, it's just fans came out and voted for what the fans like. Yeah, I mean you can, you know, I mean you could quibble uh, about you know various uh, winners over you know ones that didn't, but uh, I mean I think that's just the strength of what was there. Um, Agreed. It's I I, <laughs> I I don't know that they're going to release the votes, but I I would bet that they're pretty. I would imagine that most of the categories were pretty balanced out. It was probably a pretty close all around. Um, yeah, it'd be interesting to know. So, to switch gears for a second, you said that you were working on a sequel to a place outside the wild. Yes. Can you tell us about that? Yeah. Um, basically, just in case anybody's new to it, uh, the high level of view of a place outside the wild, it's uh, eight, eight years after the uh, zombie apocalypse. And um, I kind of took the approach that the most interesting part of the genre to me is not so much the outbreak and what happens immediately following the outbreak. It's how do we rebuild? How do we endure? And that uh, was kind of the main focus of the, uh, of the first book. Um, second book is a little more, has a little more action to it. Um, there's basically, there's a MacGuffin they need to get to. And that. uh, it, uh Everything amps up to eleven. <laughs> <in comparison laughs> to the first one. So, 
they uh the first one was set primarily in the midwest you know in some fairly small uh uh, small areas, and uh, this time they're going to to Los Angeles. So, uh, got a little bit more population to work with. The uh, sequel is called A Place Called Hope, which is a, a reference to the the, the first one. I, don't, I won't spoil it for anybody that hasn't read it. So, okay. So, thanks for naming the sequel. Someone in the yeah, we're all yeah. in the, the chat was asking if it was called A Place Inside the Wilds. So. Yeah, I saw that. I saw that. Okay. Oh, good. Glad to see that you're. Uh, you're watching the chat. If you want to respond to anybody in the chat there, just uh, yeah, absolutely. feel free. I am watching, so if anyone has any questions, I'm certainly glad to answer. Watching and waiting oh. and judging listeners. <laughs> so. Okay. Now, a large segment of our listenership are aspiring writers or even accomplished authors told me that they like to get their fix of writing advice, practical, actionable writing advice every episode. I'm going to put you on the spot here. What is one piece of writing advice that you would give to our audience? I try to write every day. I think when, when something becomes a habit, it is easier to just sit down and do it. Um, even if it's, 500 words a day, I like to sit down and, and, and do something, whether it just maybe even be notes for a scene or, uh, you know, ideas for dialogue. Um, I, uh, a lot of times um, I will uh, have my phone and I'll uh, be thinking of something and I'll uh, stop where I'm at and sit down and just uh, jot a note in there and, uh, you know, email it to myself and <laughs> try to try to uh, translate it later when I, uh, when I have time to actually sit down and look at it and uh, figure out where I'm going. But uh, yeah, it, it's uh, kind of nice, you know, um, old days people used you have to use stuff to carry a notebook around or, uh, or a micro cassette recorder. Now you just uh, flip the phone out and start tapping away. So my wife's yeah, always asking who I'm texting. <laughs> yeah. I'll amplify that. So your, your advice is solid. Try to write every day, make time for your muse, make it a habit, and also write it down. Yeah. Even if memory is infinitely fallible, if you get an idea and you know you will, you'll be out running errands or taking a walk or in the shower or something, like jump out, get your phone, email the idea to yourself, carry around a notebook, just write it down. You do not want to be sitting in front of your computer later thinking, oh man, what was that guy's name? What was that, what was that awesome character name I came up with? And that's yeah, gone. Yeah. Okay. Well, yeah. Th thanks for the tip. Uh, thanks for joining us. We are about out of time. Okay. Well, thanks for having so, me. It's cool. been, been a pleasure. You're welcome. Awesome. And again, congratulations on the nomination. Did you have any last message you wanted to leave our audience with before we go? <laughs> Just to, uh, to clear the air and uh, Twitter rumors to the contrary, I am not middle-aged, um, as, as some <laughs> have said. Uh, <laughs> I am not even 40 yet, so uh, not all of the Dragon nominees were middle-aged white dudes. I am white, but uh, I'm, I'm, I like to think of myself as still less than middle-aged. <laughs> so. You're young in the ways that matter. Yes, exactly. <laughs> Same here. Yeah. Okay. So you can find young Daniel's work in the links below in the show notes. I've got a link to his blog, his Amazon page, and the Amazon page for Place Outside the Wild. You can also find 
my dragon-nominated book, Secret Kings, and also its predecessor, last year's dragon winner, Soul Dancer, as well as the first book in the series, Ethereal, and links to my blog, Kairos. And also, as always, at the top, a link to GeekGab Prime, which me and my co-host, Dornal Daddy Warpig, do pretty much every week with uh, occasional interruptions for family reunions and such. So be sure to subscribe as well. Uh, YouTube also makes you double secret subscribe, so make sure click subscribe and then click the bell icon so you get the email notifications of these shows. So thanks for joining us. Thanks for listening. This is Brian Niemeyer saying remember to keep reading.